Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up with me to the book of Joshua. I want to go to the book of Joshua. Joshua. I'm going to actually begin reading. I'm going to read in several different places. And so um, if you have your Bible, say amen. John chapter 5, John, no, Joshua. Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Then I'm going to jump from there. I'm going to go to Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. We'll read several passages. And then I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Come on. This is, this, is, this is a good opportunity to have an iPad or some kind of device so you can just click and get there. But let's go to the word of the Lord. I believe that God has laid something on my heart that's going to speak to you today. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 5, I'll begin reading at verse 13. And it came to pass that when Joshua was, was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot For the place where you stand is holy, and Joshua did so. Notice Joshua chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. It says this, now Jericho was tightly, or one verse says, securely shut up. Notice that. It was tightly, or it was securely shut up. Why? Listen to this. Because of the children of of Israel none came out none went out or none went in and the Lord Joshua said and the Lord said to Joshua see I have given you Jericho into your hand it's king and the mighty men of valor then God begins to give him the plan he gives the he gives, begins to unfold the strategy in which the children of Israel are going to do uh, how they're going to take this land He tells them, I want you to take seven priests, you know, uh, seven priests. I want you to take seven priests, the scripture said, that shall bear seven trumpets. I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant. And he said, I want you for six days straight to walk, march around Jericho and don't say anything. And he said, on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times on the seventh day. And he said, on the seventh time, I want you to shout. I want the trumpets to sound. Notice that. I want the trumpets to sound. And when you hear the trumpet sound, I want you to shout. And the walls are going to come down. One more verse of scripture. Watch this in Hebrews 1130. Notice the, the words that Hebrews says here. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith. The walls fell down. I want to talk to you from this subject or this title, if you're taking notes, 
these walls must come down. I want you to repeat that after me. These walls must come down. These walls must come down. I have a destiny to fulfill. I have a purpose to walk out. These walls must come down. God is calling me to a higher level. These walls must come down. God has a great future in store for me, for you and your family. But these walls must come down. I want to talk to you today about these walls must come down. And it may, it'll make sense in just a few moments. But as you t look into the backdrop of this text or this narrative concerning Joshua, the Bible said that Joshua is leading the people um, into God's promise for their life. He is now the commander after he has succeeded Moses. He is now leading the people. The Bible said that they have crossed over the Jordan River. And now they're headed toward the promised land, the land of Canaan. The Bible said this, that God, that Joshua sent out spies to go spy out the land that God was taking them or sending them to. He sent spies. He said, I want you to go check out. I want you to go look at what God has promised us, what God has said belonged to us. Notice that they were not there yet, but it was theirs. They were not stepping on the place that God had promised yet. But it was theirs. They were not enjoying the blessings of what God had prophesied and spoken yet. But it was there. And the Bible said that he sent out the spies. And what was awesome about this particular text. Notice it said in Joshua 6 verses 1. Verses 1 that, that Jericho, notice this, was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. That grabbed my attention. I just thought about the, 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 the city being secure for the sake of security. But it said specifically it was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. And when you look back in chapter 2, we see the beginning of why Jericho was tightly shut up. The Bible said that as they sent the spies into the land, that they came across the first person they met was a prostitute by the name of Rahab. And the Bible said that it, they had this encounter with Rahab. And, and I listened to the wording. They'll put it up on the text. But notice what Rahab, when she encountered these spies, these spies that represented God's people, God's chosen people, God's ordained people. Listen to what she says. She said this. I know that the Lord has given you the land. That the and then she says that the terror of you, watch this, has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord has dried up the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Watch this. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth. In other words, 
what Rahab was saying. Before you ever got here, we already heard about you. We heard how God's hand is on your life. We heard how God has already given you the land that we think we occupy. In other words, we heard that we are now trespassing on your prophetic promise. And we have heard that it doesn't matter what we try to do, that, 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 that this land belongs to God's people. And what really grabbed me about it, the Bible said that, notice this, they were, their hearts begin to faint. They begin to lock down and tighten everything up. They begin to do everything they possibly could because they knew that God's prophetic promised people were on their way. They had marching orders and they were coming to take ground and territory. And what gets me is notice how afraid the enemy was of the prophetic promise that was on God's people's life. Could it be that the enemy has more faith in what God God has called you to do and be than you have in what he has called you to do and be. Could it be that the enemy is more scared of you really understanding who you are and what God has called you to do? Because see, something I've learned when it comes to vipers, when it comes to snakes, you know, Satan is a type of serpent, but you know, rattlesnakes and vipers, the only reason why they strike and bite, they do it out of fear. Oh my God. God. The only time they bite you, they will tell you, is when they are, are afraid. In other words, what I'm saying, could it be that the constant strikes and bites of hell that has been coming to your life, to your family, to your marriage, and even to your children is an indication of how afraid hell is over the promises of God over your life. In other words, your prophetic promise is causing a panic attack in hell. The enemy is afraid of you really knowing who you are and what God has called you to be. I want to declare over somebody today it's time for you to rise up and see yourself as God sees you. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You're not less than. You're more than enough with God. And the enemy is afraid of you really grabbing a hold to it. Hell is shaking in his boots. The worst thing that could happen is when a believer begin to grab a hold to that which God has declared over their life. And the Bible said that Jericho was tightly shut up. You know what gets me about this text also? Is this. Notice the reputation of the people. Watch this. Had a whole city in an uproar. And I wrote in my notes, I said, it's time for the body of Christ to really begin to rise in what we've been called to do and establish. A, there should be a reputation of the church in every city that no matter. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying Free Chapel has the monopoly on Orange County because the church is bigger than just us. But we are partnered as a universal church. But there should be a wherever there is the church of the living God, there should be a reputation in that city that causes hell to shake. People should sit back. If you don't want to get healed, don't go to that church. If you want to stay 
bound, don't go to that church. If you want to stay addicted, don't go to that church. If you want to live in darkness and depression, don't go to that church. If you want to have a broke down family, don't go to that church. Because if you go to that church, if you go to the house of God, freedom will come, deliverance will come, salvation will come, breakthrough will come, turnarounds will come, divine reversals will come. We need that type of reputation in the earth that we are the church triumphant. If you believe it, give the Lord a shout of praise and I'll move on. The Bible said Jericho stood before them. Jericho, which was a great problem. The Bible said that Jericho was a city to be conquered and had massive walls surrounded. Two walls actually surrounded the city of Jericho. History tells us that the first wall, watch this, was six feet thick and 20 feet high. The second wall that tells us was 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. And in between it was a span of 15 feet that was guarded by soldiers. Its walls were so big that, that, that the soldiers and chariots could ride around the top of the walls. They literally would have hot boiling oil on top of those walls in case any enemies would try to come and actually begin to climb. They would pour hot boiling oil on top of them. Any military... Any, any means of conquering Jericho at that time, when you looked at it, the only thing that would come to your mind, this is too big to chisel through. This is too big to go over. It's too massive to go around. The only way that this can happen is that we need a miracle from God. As we go through life, just like Jericho, there are obstacles that stand between us and where God wants to take us. There are things that oppose our progression and the prophetic call and promise upon our lives. Obstacles in our family and obstacles in our finances and obstacles in everyday life. But see, we have to understand that when it comes to God's uh, to obstacles and we're God's people, we have to view them different. Obstacles are always opportunities for God to show himself strong on your behalf. Problems are just opportunities for God to provoke his power in your situation. Paul put it like this, that in our weakness, his strength strength is made perfect. In other words, God's greatness is often fertilized in human weakness. And when you get to the point to think that something is too big and too strong and too overwhelming to overcome, it is then you must recognize this is a job for God. Jericho was a huge hindrance. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. To Israel, the Bible said that the, that it was so big that it could not be overcome. Our text is all about Jericho was defeated and those impossible walls are able to come down. And as we read our text, it gives us great faith to say we can look at these situations and they may seem impossible. But according to this, these walls can come down. Hear me what I'm about to say. Are you ready? I'm about to go somewhere. You see, before Jericho, before the children of Israel could go in and possess the city of Jericho, those walls had to come down. For them to go further in God, then God, these walls must come down. 
For them to begin to possess everything that God had for them, these walls must come down. There was a dimension of blessing and provision and calling and destiny that waited on the other side of those walls, but they had to come down. And if the truth be told in this service this evening at five o'clock at Free Chapel, all of us have some walls that need to come down in our life. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how nice and pretty you are and how much swag that you have. But all of us have some sort of wall or walls that need to come down. Walls that are hindering us and holding us back from God's best for our life. It can be walls of insecurity. It could be walls of depression and fear. It could be walls of, of hurts from the past. Walls of bitterness and resentment walls of frustration and anger walls of low self-esteem walls of, uh, uh, of of all types of wrong mindsets and mentality and for some of us there's a great wall that's even kept you from receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior but I'm sent here on a mission this evening to declare that these walls do not have to stand they can come down walls of addiction come on walls of abuse, walls of agony, walls of pain, walls of anxiety. They do not have to stand in your life. They can come down. I need four people to shout. They can come down and I'll move on. You need to understand something. You see, God did not bring the children of Israel to Jericho and for them to stop there. He did not bring them out of Egypt to stop at Jericho. God did not save you to just save you and leave you where you are. It's a progression that God has for you. There's more for your life. There's greater for your life. There's bigger for your life. It's not just about getting you saved and getting you to heaven. If that was the case, he'd save you, kill you, and send you on your way. But the fact that you are still here, it's because there's something that you've got to do. There's something that you've got to accomplish. There's something that you've got to achieve. The world is dependent upon your prophetic purpose to rise up and be everything that God has called you to be. And that's why these walls must come down. Understand. That your perception of your walls and your personal Jerichos is key. You can view it as an impossibility and lose. But you can view it as an opportunity for a miracle and win. Your reaction to your walls and Jericho is also key. You can turn around and go back and die in the wilderness of unbelief. Or you can do as Joshua did and face the fortress and declare that with man it is impossible but with God all things are possible. Hebrews says it like this in 1130 by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled seven days. Notice it said by faith. We often say that when they shout the shouts brought the wall down. The shouts did not bring the wall down. Faith brought the wall down because see you don't shout to get faith but you shout because you have faith shouting doesn't get you faith you shout because you have faith 
I'm not shouting to get it. I'm shouting because I believe I already got it. I shout before I see it in the natural because I've already received it in the spirit. I shout before it manifests. I shout before I see it move. And some of us have mistaken to think that just because I shout, the walls are coming down. No, the walls will come down by faith. But if you will shout because of your faith and not to get faith, it is then that you begin to see God to move on your behalf. Watch this. Ah, yes. When God has a gigantic task that he wants to perform, he gives faith the contract. Listen to this. Write this if you're taking it. Faith always links our nothingness to God's almightiness, and that makes the difference. Faith will always link your nothingness to God's almightiness, and that makes up the difference. So how did he do it? What does this story that was written over 3,000 years ago help us to understand and receive and how to walk out, how to get these walls to come down? Let's look at it. Are you ready? Are you taking notes? Several steps that Joshua took that caused these walls to come down. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first thing, there was authorization. What do you mean, Javon? The Bible said in Joshua chapter 5, it says that Joshua stood and looked and behold, a man stood opposite of him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for are you for us or for our adversaries? And so he said, no, but as the commander of the Lord of the army, I come now. And Joshua fell on his face and worship and said, what does my Lord say? What do you mean? Authorization. Notice Joshua looked at this man and he said, wait a minute, what got me is this. The Bible said Joshua looked and he saw a man. But here's the problem. He saw a man, but it wasn't a man. The Bible said it was the commander of the, of the host of the army of the Lord. If you study it, it was a theophonic presence of God. Or it was a theophany, a pre preview of Christ in the Old Testament. Because Christ is considered to be the commander of the host of the army of the Lord. And the first thing you got to understand, notice he's, he saw a man, but it wasn't a man, it was God. Don't get so caught up in the natural and the pr practical that you don't look for the spiritual in your situation. He only saw a natural way of this happening, but there was a spiritual way that it was about to go down. And notice what he asked him. He said, are you a friend or are you a foe? Are you with us? Are you against us? Isn't, isn't that amazing how life always wants to make you choose sides? Are you with them or with us? Are you Baptist or you Methodist? Are you Church of God or are you Church of God in Christ? Are you Pentecostal or are you Presbyterian? Are you Democratic or are you Republican? Are you with them? Are you with me? Always trying to get you to choose sides like you're in a restaurant or something. What sides would you have? But anyway, but always trying to get you to choose sides. But I love what the commander said. He said neither because he, he said, you know what he was saying? I didn't come, watch this, to choose sides. I came to take over. I'm not on anybody's side. I don't have to be in anybody's side because I'm in charge. 
Why is that important? What do you mean authorization? Because the Bible said this, that then Joshua fell down and began to worship. And the Bible said he asked this question, what would you have your servant to do? Notice the humility on Joshua's behalf. Notice he said what? Notice he went from being a commander to a servant. It said, what would your servant? Joshua had his shoulders squared up until this point because he was a great military leader. But he understood in that moment, I am no longer in charge. I must humble myself. And notice what he said. What would you have me to do? In other words, if these walls are going to come down, it's not going to come down your way. It's going to come down God's way. Ah, yes. How would you? What is your strategy for this? What is your plan for this? Because see, the problem is too many times. Oh, I'm ready to preach now. Too many times we think God is our butler and our maid that we can summon to carry out our own agendas in life. We want him to authorize what he hadn't authored. We want him to okay what he hadn't ordained. Come on, somebody. We want him to uh, come on don't, don't don't shout me down now we want him to okay what he hasn't ordained sometimes we just flat out want him to bless mess but it does not happen that way have you ever gone to a restaurant and you got the receipt for and the bill and they brought it to you and before you and you look through the receipt and you get ready to sign you be like oh, oh, oh wait 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 i didn't have no pizza I don't know who's, who, who, the what, what, curly fry, definitely didn't have them. I didn't have ribs. I didn't have chicken. Excuse me, waiter, could you please? No one looks at that receipt. And if it's got things on there that you didn't order, you just say, well, you know what? It's okay. You know what? I'm just going to be a blessing today. The devil is a lie. You ain't that saved. You ain't never said that. You waiter, I need you to come here. There's some stuff on my receipt that I did not order and I'm not paying for it well if that's your attitude when it comes to stuff you didn't order why are we trying to get God to pay for things that we have ordered oh my God in our own lives he didn't order that boyfriend he didn't oh my God he didn't order that girlfriend that was your order that came off the menu of your hungriness and thirstiness and now you mad at God because he or she is acting crazy but God said I didn't order it in the first place and if you want oh God if you want He said, uh-uh. He said, I didn't order that. Now you're mad at me because I won't bless that mess. But if you want the walls to come down, you got to have God's authorization. And Joshua said, this is how you do it. You have to fall on your face and begin to worship. And the Bible said he laid down his sword. In other words, I'm going to put my sword down. I'm going to put my ability down. Because understand, before you can conquer, you must first be conquered. Before you can conquer anything on the outside of you, you need to let Jesus conquer some things on the inside of you. You 
can't be a conqueror if you, oh my Lord. I know the Bible said we're more than a conqueror through him that loves us. Through him. You don't conquer by yourself, but you conquer when you allow him to conquer you. Say authorization. And number two, the Bible said this. The next thing, they have to be, say, cooperation. The Bible said that once Joshua met the commander and host and he fell on his face, the Bible said he was given instructions. He said, here's your instructions. I need you to march six days. Go around once with silence. Here's your instructions. Watch this. On the seventh day, march seven times and shout. Now, I must, give, I must help you to understand that these were strange instructions that was given to a military army. Wait a minute. We about to fight these jokers? They got cannons and all kind of stuff. And you're saying, march? Not only march, but march in silence? Have you lost your mind? Imagine what Joshua, who is used to fighting, he's like Rambo. You know, he got machine guns and stuff, taking names. and everything. But now God gives him strange instructions. Strange instructions will always require strong faith. Because see, oftentimes, God will watch this, will remove instruments and then give you instructions. Some of you have been so used to the instruments of your own ability and gifting. And God is saying in this season, it's not going to be, it's not going to be about your instruments. It's going to be about my instructions. I'm going to do more for you through my instructions than you ever saw me do through your instruments. It's not going to come just by your network. It's not going to come just by who you know. It's not going to come by every name and your contacts and your Rolodex. It's not going to come how you used to make that one phone call and click and everything. Matter of fact, some of you are in a season right now and you are scratching your head because you're trying to do what you've always done, but you're not getting the results that you used to get and I'm here to declare it's a new season baby God has taken you from instruments that you've been used to and he wants to give you new instructions because there's a place that he wants to take you but the walls have got to come down he tells them to do something that sounds silly why because God was testing obedience Listen to me, circling the walls had nothing to do with the walls, but it had everything to do with the people's will. God Almighty. It had nothing to do with the walls. But God was saying, when you trust me, when I don't give you tactics, when it seems like your life is just going in circles, will you still trust me? When it seems like you're going in circles and nothing is changing, will you trust me? You're praying, but seemingly nothing is moving. Will you trust me? You're worshiping, but you're looking at the wall, but nothing's happening. But you keep circling because see, here's the problem. You have entered into the season of the ministry of monotony. 
And what that means is what your daily devotion and your daily walk, you're doing everything that you know to do, and it feels like you're just going in circles and circles but getting nowhere. But I want to announce to you this, that when life seems like you're going in circle, in a circulation, a circular motion, seemingly getting nowhere, that is the same posture that is needed for the potter's when he the potter's hand when he molds a vessel see when the clay gets on the wheel it has to go in circles when the clay is placed on the table it doesn't stand still it doesn't move forward it has to keep going in circles and to the vessel it seems monotonous but to God it's preparation in other words you don't think anything's going on in your life right now keep praising keep worshiping keep giving keep sowing keep serving because every time you do he's molding you he's shaping you he's forming you he's working out cracks he's working out lumps he's breaking things off he's breaking people off he's removing things he's adding things he's subtracting things he's multiplying things I know it seems like you're going crazy but stay on the potter's wheel and let him mold you and shape you And the Bible said this, understand, wonder, just imagine what that looked like to the people. Imagine those jokers up at Jericho. What? What? Hey, look at these fools. Some of y'all done lost y'all mind. So that's what, they, what are they doing? Idiots. Are these the same jokers that we said we were afraid of? They're going in circles. Are they crazy? Ring around the rosy pocket. Sometimes your obedience may seem foolish and look foolish. But God said, I'll use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I want to tell somebody right now, you're in a season where it seems like your obedience is just foolish. You are doing what God told you to do. Matter of fact, people are mocking you. People are laughing at you. People are talking about you. They're saying you're crazy. Have you lost your mind? You're still living that life for Jesus. You're still praising God. You're still going over there to that old tongue-talking church, free chapel, blowed up with smoke, loud music, and everything crazy. You're still doing that. Aren't that so foolish? That don't make any sense. That's not working for you. I'm here to declare to somebody that you may look foolish right now. You may look crazy right now. And it may not make sense right now. But in your on the other side of your obedience is coming great blessing i want to talk to our teenagers for a moment because see even some of you have some so-called friends and so-called connections that will
will look at you and say, oh, you're going to youth again. You're going to church again. Some of your friends, so-called friends, will tell you it's foolish not to get drunk and get high. It's foolish not to be in the club tearing it up. It's foolish not to sleep around and go from bedroom to bed. I'm preaching right now. It's foolish. I want to tell our young people, don't you stop obeying God. Don't you lose your standards. Listen, God sees your obedience. You wasn't called to fit in anyway. You wasn't called to be popular. You were called to live a life of purpose. You're not crazy. You're not phony. You're not weird. You're chosen. You're unique. You're God called. You're God destined. His hand is on your life. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. I still believe in a generation of young people that can live holy. That can still be virgins when they get married. They don't have to give in to the culture of this world. They can walk in obedience by the Spirit of God. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout of praise. I'm not crazy. I'm committed. I'm not insane. I have an intimate walk with God. There's nothing wrong with me. Remember I worked for GE. They made fun of me. They called me Bible boy. Hey, Bible boy. Bible boy, never eat. Oh, you're doing that 21-day fasting stuff again. I bet you're hungry, aren't you? Mmm, want some of this? Made fun of me, but I kept obeying God. I kept obeying God. And then they were scratching their head. How does this joker get promoted three and a, three times in a year and a half? I've been here for all these years. This young joker come in here. I've been here for 20 years and I can't even get a raise. And he's been here for nine months and he's been promoted twice. Oh, that's Bible boy. Oh, that's that fasting stuff. Oh, that's the foolishness. Oh my God, are you not hearing what I'm saying? Obedience is better than sacrifice. I got to hurry. Number, number one, two, three. Continuation. Number three is continuation. Imagine what it was like as they continued to walk around those walls. Watch this. Watch this. Walked around. One. Two, three, four, five. And on the sixth day, not even a crack in the mug. Not even dust moved. Imagine how frustrating that could be when you are obeying God and you're doing what he said you do. And it seems like it's crazy instruction, but I've been doing it, but I'm not seeing any progress. And you say, God, I'm doing what you're calling me to do, but what are you waiting on? God says, I'm not waiting. It's not what I'm waiting on. It's what I'm waiting for. Mm -hmm. Because God wants to teach you that waiting time is not wasted time. We always say in God's timing, but I believe, listen, in God's timing, it's not God's timing. It's actually your timing. It's not God's. God can do anything when he wants to. How are we doing it? 
But the reason why we say God's timing, because I'm glad it's God's timing. Because God's timing will often protect us from our timing. Because sometimes we want to be in places we are not prepared for. So God says, my timing is not restriction. My timing is actually protection because I know where I see you. I know where I've called you. I know the prophetic promise on your life and where you are now. You don't quite have the capacity that you need that you're going to that it's going to require of where I'm calling you to. So my timing is not restriction. My timing is actually your protection because I don't want to put you in something that you're not ready for and you're in this way somebody's in a waiting season right now but they that wait upon the Lord see anybody got my rope they that wait upon the Lord the Bible said shall renew their strength they will mount up on wings as eagles I'm going to show you something about waiting that word wait in the scripture watch this we think it's just sitting around see waiting is not is not so much about a posture as it is a focus oh God but when it said wait Wait in the Hebrew was a term that was used, watch this, for rope making. And what they would do, they called it waiting, was the process of taking each strand and overlapping it with other strands. Every time they waited, they added another strand. Every time they waited, they add another strand. Because understand, you don't get this unless you first start with this. It takes this to get you to that. Because what God is saying for some of us, right now, this is you. And you're not ready. Oh, God, we don't like to hear this stuff. Because what you're, where you're going is we're going to require this. I need a faith and a tenacity and a perseverance and an endurance that you don't get offended by everything somebody says to you that you are not ready to quit and quit church and quit your marriage and run out on the ministry because somebody talked about you. Somebody didn't like your picture or posted something crazy. No, 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 no. I need some strength and stability and capacity in your character that you're not so thin skinned that everything moves you and gets you out. So what I've got you in is a season of waiting. And it's not holding you back. It's building you up. Because every time you wait he's adding another string. Every time you wait he's adding another thread. And God said don't get frustrated in your waiting season because I see your future and it's bright and it's great because as you're waiting just go ahead and rejoice that he's adding to my strength. He's adding to my faith. He's adding to my character. He's adding to my capacity. I'm going to have a faith like I used to not have. I'm going to have a prayer life like I used to not have. My praise is going to another level. My consecration is going deeper. He is working me in the waiting. Continuation. Keep on keeping on. And number four, watch this. I want to call it just confession. Because the Bible said that when they went around that seven time, 
they began to shout. In other words, they can come to the music. They began to speak it before they saw it. You got to learn to speak it before you see it. And when I say see it, I'm not talking about seeing it in the natural. But you got to see it in the spiritual. You have to begin to speak what God has told you to see. Your confession has to line up with what you're believing for. You can't talk down and expect God to raise you up. You can't talk defeat and expect to walk in victory. You can't curse your marriage and expect it to be blessed. You can't down talk your kids and expect them to rise up. And he said, I need you to start vocalizing. Notice he told Joshua, he said, see, I've given you Jericho, but they didn't have it yet. You know what he was doing? He said, I want you to get a vision of victory in your spirit. I want you to see those walls down before they even come down. I want you to see yourself walking in freedom and liberty. I want you to see yourself not having to run to that bottle anymore. I want you to see yourself not running and when you get upset and frustrated or lonely, running to that computer anymore. I want you to see yourself not popping pills. See yourself not calling your wife out of her name, but blessing her in love. See yourself honoring and respecting your husband. I need you to see it. He says, see, I've given you this. See yourself on the other side of the wall that you're facing. See yourself strong in him if you're feeling weak. See yourself the beauty that you are that God made you. Some of you only see yourself as ugly and messed up and, and worthless. But no, you got to see that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You got to see that you're made in the image of God. And he said, when you start seeing, I want you to start shouting. Because your confession is going to lead to your possession. And you don't see it. See, Victory begins in the spirit before it manifests in the natural. And the Bible said that where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, watch this, where there's no vision, people perish or cast off restraint. Could it be that vision is more important than people? Because if I don't have a vision, people perish. If I don't have vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, a vision of victory will begin to establish disciplines in my life that says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that because that's not what I'm called to do. I have a promised land that awaits me. And the Bible said that they begin to shout. When they heard the trumpet sound, they began to shout. And it was only after they had shouted by faith because they were shouting because they already saw the walls down that they were facing. And when they shouted, the Bible said the walls begin to fall.
and they ran in and they took the city of Jericho. I want to ask you today, what walls need to fall in your life? What walls are holding you back and keeping you back from God's best in your life? What walls is it? Walls that have held you back. You know that there's more for you. You know that there's more that God has for you. What walls have you allowed to remain in your life that is hindering you from going that step further in your faith and your relationship with God? Listen to me. There's so much more God has for you. But you got to be willing to say, you know what? These walls must come down. I'm not satisfied. I refuse to stay here. And I want what God has for me. I want what God has for my family, for my marriage, and for my children. I don't want to live beneath anything that God said that belongs to me. And whatever wall that needs to come down, I'm declaring this wall must come down. There's promises awaiting you on the other side of your wall. There's blessing that is awaiting. There's a joy that you've never known that awaits you. There's an excitement that you've longed to have that's on the other side of that wall. But will you allow God to tear the walls down? Everyone stand to your feet. And I want to ask you as you're standing right now, if you would be honest with yourself. You say, Javon, I got some walls. I got some things that I know that is hindering me and holding me back. I don't know what your wall is, but God does. But not only does he know what your wall is, he's still leveling walls today. He's still tearing down walls today. He's still breaking down walls today. Because he longs for you to step into everything that he's promised and destined for your life. Some of you are one wall away from your greatest breakthrough. You're one wall away from the, 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 the turnaround in your marriage that you've been longing for. Some of you think it's your spouse, but it's you. It's your wall. When you tear down your wall, this is what the Lord gave me as I was walking up. He said to tell somebody that your, when your wall comes down, it's going to create a domino effect in your family. Your walls are going to begin to cause other things. Come on, somebody, to tremble and fall. It's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect your whole household. But they must come down. If you would say, Javon, this word was for me. I know God has more. And I've settled with walls. But today, I need Jesus. I'm believing by faith. I want these walls to fall. If that's you. I want you to get out of your seat right now. And I want you to come down to this altar. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.